Welcome, citizens of the globe, to the Front End Heroes podcast, where we discuss all things villainous and heroic about the front end of software development. My name is Evan Payne. I'm a senior front end developer at Actimo, and with me, as always, is my co-host Scott Francis, a senior front end engineer at Porsche. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, I'm really good. That's the first time that's been said on the podcast, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, uh, really like glad. It feels like spring's arrived in in Barcelona, so it's like quite nice and. Um, yeah, just looking forward to today's show. Absolutely. I remember uh, last year as well, I think this time of year we were recording, I was sitting outside on the balcony anyway, so it's getting close to that weather again. That's super nice. Yeah, it really is. So today's episode is sponsored by Netcentric, an award-winning Adobe Global Alliance partner headquartered in Switzerland with offices all over Europe as well as in Pune, India. Um, they're currently hiring for a number of roles, so if you are looking, uh, check them out. We are as ever glad uh, completely glad to have their support with this show and going forward. So today we have a guest. Thank you so much for being here. It is um, Sarah Dayan, a staff software engineer at Algolia. Sarah, will you introduce yourself? Yes, sure. Thanks for having me. So I'm Sarah. As you said, I work at Algolia. I've been there for almost three years. I'm going to celebrate my third year in a couple of months. Uh, and yes, basically, I've been working in the industry for over 10 years now, which seems like an eternity, but has gone so fast. Uh, and mo mostly I work on the front end. So lately, I've been focusing mostly on Vue, React, and TypeScript. But yes, I, I love many different topics, uh, such as I love CSS. I've been doing CSS for a long time. Uh, I love test-driven development. I cannot shut up about it. And yes, that's that's mostly what I do every day is uh, focus on the front end and try to to bring the best uh, of Algolia for developers. Nice. Um, yeah, and we invited you on because um, I, I, in particular, when I was researching into Tailwind um, and whether it was okay or not, I had to fight past that gut reaction to be like, no, I don't like this at all, which I had done with even the bootstrap utility classes. And I remember reading the article on your blog that was in defense of um, utility first CSS. And the way that it was structured and laid out really convinced me gradually. By the time I got to the end of that article, I was like, okay, I don't have any counter arguments anymore. It makes perfect sense. This is a valid approach that will be good for our team. So this episode is titled, Here's the Plan, in the, the vein of comic books and superheroes. Um, and the take I had on it was that, you know, when you're going into making changes or improvements to your code base, it can be in some ways a little bit like saving the world, uh, in that it requires not just the guts and the, you know, reaching for it, but also a well-prepared team. So we'll talk a bit about like, you know, putting together a plan and, and you know, comparing new technologies to old. So the, the starting with that, how do you approach whether or not to adopt a new tool or a pattern? So there are many things, but before, before deciding whether you want to use something or not, I would say the first thing is common sense. Do you need it or not? Are you solving something or not? Um, there are many new tools, many new things that you can use that are exciting, but maybe it doesn't make sense in your project. So if you're here to play with something, maybe it's better to create a new side project and, and use it to experiment. But sometimes you do need something and it, it's a fine line. It's a fine line because sometimes you will realize that there are other tools 
that can do exactly the same thing or almost the same thing as this new tool. But this new tool feels that it has a better approach. I can give you a practical example. Um, state machines are becoming hot again, especially in the front end. They're becoming hot, period, because nobody ever used that. Uh, it was never really um, like mainstream or anything. And you can do without state machines. You can use uh, just pieces of state, fragmented states. You can use state reducers. You can use whatever. Um, nothing that you can do with state machines uh, is something that you cannot do without state machines. But it's going to be helping with another problem. It's not like, can you do it or not? Is It's more what kind of experience is it going to bring? Is it more confidence? Is it cleaner code? Is it less errors or less, um, yeah, less runtime errors? Or like pick your metric, but it's not like maybe the first thing that you want to drift away from is, uh, is it allowing me to do something that I currently cannot do? And oftentimes you will, you will find that with your existing tools, you can do pretty much anything you can do with new tools. Uh, we, another example would be something like um, so, uh, WebSockets. You can do a chat without WebSockets. You can pull your server. You like there, they, they, there has been technologies to do that forever and they work well, well-ish, but still, but it's more like, is it better suited? What, what is the problem that I'm actually trying to solve? Am I trying to fit a hot new tool into a problem that I don't have? Or am I trying to solve a problem and assessing technologies that might be a good fit? So that, I would say, is the first step, is trying to identify really mm. from a honest standpoint, what am I trying to do? And sometimes you may realize... I, I just kind of want to use that because it, it feels nice. It feels cool. It's okay. We all go through that. Uh, but maybe your, person, uh, your professional project that a lot of people rely on may not benefit from that. So like, it, it's a first good assessment, I would say, before deciding whether you're going to use this tool. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of times we as developers or, you know, it's easy to, for a certain personality type and the front end, I think we gravitate towards that. Uh, th those types, this personality type gravitates towards the front end is, is someone that just wants to try things out and see if they work. And they don't always, I, I'm speaking from personal experience, I don't always take the time to really think through why I'm trying to adopt something. Yes, I know that there might be some part of it that is appropriate and works. A good example in this case is um, in this very Angular-centric and Angular world. In NGRX, there is this pattern you can lay on top that's called a facade. And I really like it. And I like it in my side project where I use it a lot. And it works really well there. It's not necessarily defined anywhere. Or when it is, it's you can do it one way or another. And sometimes it looks wrong, actually. But I get a lot of pushback from the community on that because it doesn't—it's not really necessary, and I'm not articulate enough to define why it's worked for me so far. Um, I don't know, Scott, if you've had any experiences like that as well of 
wanting to try something but not necessarily knowing how to convince people i think that um i think to a certain extent everybody has haven't they um in the like in the profession um because as you say we're the kind of people who want to try something new we want to um we read about something we want to know if it's going to work or not um i think that like that's it that's fine uh, i mean like actually just wanting to to try things out um is good enough reason for me i really think it is um yeah where you actually do that um, whether you can actually push that into your, your a project that you're doing for a client or whether that has to stay away from that and like really um you take the time to figure it out in a side project or uh or something like that then you know that's there's there's always ways of getting that in there i i honestly i almost um maybe i'm a little bit little different to other front enders because i'm always like, i'm i'm maybe somebody who looks at like something new and thinks mm, actually i'll wait to see how that pans out um uh, before like i dive in and the reason behind that is like um i i think with with technology with front end stuff um i'm a little bit hesitant because i feel like i've been around for so long that i've seen so many things come um, that have been like, no, this is the way that you do it. And then like a year later, the, there's another another article, a defining article comes out saying, no, this is definitely why you shouldn't do it. And I kind of like, and I'm almost like feel like I'm a bit long in the tooth and I just think, well, I'll let that battle play out and then I'll go with the winning side. Um, so maybe my approach is a little different to uh, yours, Evan, and yours, Sarah. Uh, that's interesting. What, what you just said is uh, reminds me that... Uh, Looking for the truth is usually like we're never gonna find it. There's never gonna be an ultimate way, and maybe we will. Like we were talking about utility for CSS uh, earlier, maybe something else will come out. I I would say I hope if because if it doesn't, it means that okay, we are at the stage we reached the final stage of CSS innovation and we're done. Like that's sad. To me, that's extremely sad. That's yeah. also something that I love about the front end and that many people who don't like front end hate is that it constantly evolves because we are kind of in that era where we're discovering so many things. I remember using jQuery for so long and it was fine and people telling, yeah, it's slow, but I didn't find it that slow or at least it worked for what I did and I've worked on projects that were solely made on jQuery and they worked. So they may, they may, it may be a outdated technology today. I would say that it's probably not because so many people are still using it, but it's exciting for me that at some point we got a burst of so many UI libraries and frameworks and whatnot. And yes, it creates front end fatigue, but at the same time, it's exciting. We're discovering new things. And we never, we'll never know. We, we will have to make some bets. Now, there are bets that feel safer than others. But yeah, I, I also like the idea that sometimes you have to find that balance between the leap of faith and like the expertise of, okay, I feel that it kind of probably is going to fix my problems. And to me, like utility first is a good example. Um to make a comparison, so I, I love nerding out about functional programming, even though I, I'm a very beginner in, in that topic. And it's funny to use 
functional programming patterns in JavaScript because the, the language is not really neither functional nor object-oriented. It's kind of everything and, and nothing at the same time. So you can try to mimic it. You can mimic patterns that you can find in, in actually uh, functional languages, but it doesn't feel natural. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I just want to use a pipe just because it's cool to just being able to pipe stuff. <laughs> but you, you could you could do without and it doesn't feel natural. And in that in that case, I would be like, OK, I'm not I, I, I can pretty much say that mm, it's probably not going to scale the best for the entire team to decide to use that everywhere for utility first, though. Uh, the reason why I really went all in with it is because when I started using it, I felt immediately that it alleviated so many pain points. And that's, to me, the reason also why Tailwind is doing so well and why it took over in just a couple of years is that we all got used to writing CSS in a certain way and we all felt some of kind of the same pains, but we didn't speak about it mostly because it's like, yeah, that's the way you write it. And the CSS yeah. gods have said, that's the way you do it. But suddenly there's something that fixes all those pains. Like, And developer experience became more prominent again. It's like, we need to be able to uh, enjoy the, the like working in, in a certain way. And also it, it kind of fits, it, it fits well with that, uh, React or view aspect of, of handling the DOM where you want to put a form and function together. So it came at the right time and it felt so idiomatic, you know, like very organic. It felt like it belonged here and it felt so natural that it kind of felt like a safe bet. Like once you weighed out all, all of the problems, like, or is it going to scale? Is it performant? And it's easy to find out. Once you wait all that and you try it out, it's like, okay, I, I can definitely tell that this is going, at least in my opinion, it's going to go in the right direction and there might be a lot of adoption for it. Yeah, I, I, I had the same experience. Again, I, I leaned heavily on on your article and and um, the talk you did and the stuff by Chris Wathen as well about it but it still was like okay this all now makes sense to me it's been explained in a way that i'm willing to give something that i wouldn't have given an actual try which is great and i think more people should do that for the things that they're trying out new patterns is really get there and explain the need for it um i feel like even ngrx in sometimes or even like redux wasn't always explained that well but people adopted it because it was already there as part of you know the flux pattern from from facebook days or from react days but i adopted it on my side project which it's a largish angular project right and i went i took one weekend and i just refactored the whole code base or like everything i'd built so far to use uh, tailwind and it was like a proof to me that it worked, right? It was okay. I've, I've, you know, removed the escape patch, right? I've, I've assigned my config file. I'm now monitoring the size of my generated CSS. It's way smaller than it was before. It was uh, a really excellent, like proof is in the pudding moment for me as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm also, I try to be all in on my own projects, right? On the, on the actual work project. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not always easy to get the buy in. But if I did get try to push for that, I would be convinced because, again, the developer experience is also 
there alongside of it. Um, it's a paradigm shift as well, like the same way that Houdini. So you ask what might be next for CSS. I mean, Houdini is still like in the, the future phase, but this idea of it doesn't have to be a box model anymore. It can be a, you know, a hexagon model. That's going to change a lot of how the web works, uh, which is exciting. These paradigm shifts. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No. Yeah. And like you, you mentioned like, okay, how do you go? How do you convince people? And, mm -hmm. and I feel like the, the article, the, one of the reasons why it did well and it continues doing well, if, like it's not decaying really and it keeps coming up sometimes and people are reading in, reading it in spikes is because it's try, like it takes the problem from the angle of the people who might be skeptical to, to that and feel like, mm, I don't like it. And but the thing is that right now, if you don't like it, you still hear a lot about it. So it feels the same. Either you want to be like, I don't care. I don't think it's good. And the article is not for you. Because if you think that it's not good and you're not willing to, to look into it, then no argument is going to convince you. You're probably just in a phase where you decided that it's not good for you. And it's okay. We all process things at a different pace. And sometimes there are things where we just just don't want to have anything to do with it. But for people who might be against the idea or it feels unnatural, but at the same time, they hear tailwind everywhere all the time. Everybody's talking about it. Why, why can't they stop talking about it? And also, am I missing out? Then I think those people who are on the fence are the ones that are the most numerous first, uh, they're, but they're not necessarily the, mo the most vocal. And there are the people who need this nudge. And that's the angle that I wanted to take after having conversations uh, live with people and ha like having those arguments over and over and having the same questions being raised and answering them the same way and seeing that some people that... Uh, I I thought were like really smart people who really want, okay, just give me the facts and then uh, I'll be convinced if you're able to convince me. Then I thought, okay, maybe it's just a matter of packaging, pack, sorry, it, maybe it's just a matter of packaging that properly so that people understand it and it's easy to, like, it's easy to grasp. It's not full of lingo or anything like that. It takes real use cases, real examples And one by one, it strips away the fear because that's the root. It's okay. If I adopt that, then it's going to litter my entire code base. It's, it's harder to remove CSS than anything else in a code base to migrate to, a, because it's a lot harder to statically analyze. And it's like, I, I don't want to take over that, that project of migrating my entire CSS for a practice that seems so far away from what I've been told that I should do. So, okay, I need, and we probably all need that at some point if we don't feel confident in a specific area, I need someone to guide me through that and to reassure me into... And bring me into a place where I feel confident about that. 
And so that's what I wanted to do. And I think that's the job that the article and the talk I've been doing so far. And I'm really happy. I've been discussing with many different people who told me that it helped them convince their teams that it was the right thing to do. And it happens in many teams. Sometimes you have one person in a team who really feels strongly about something and they're right. Uh, like not that you're ever right about anything again, like it will change tomorrow, but they are right about the solution to take at a given moment, but nobody wants to listen because it's too new. And sometimes because they are all alone or maybe they don't have the authority or whatever, they need a nudge, they need the help from something external. And it helps so many people who really actually reached out and told me that they use that, they sent it to their uh, engineering manager, tech lead, or whatever. They had conversations, they did presentations, and they ended up migrating, and everybody feels a lot happier about the code base. So to me, that that's what's interesting. It's instead of being in a fight of uh, you're wrong for doing that, or no, I'm right, and you should feel, feel bad for thinking that. It's like, let's take a step back and um, let go of the belonging aspect i want to be part of the club or like the cool kids club or i don't want to be part of the cool kids club and just be like okay what is going to benefit the projects and let's think about it from a fact standpoint and look at the things that are making people afraid of trying it out yeah i i, I think that that's that's the really uh key key thing that i mean the article's really well uh well written i mean like congratulations for that but that's and i think that that's why people would uh, continue referencing it because it is so it is um so easy to follow and to um to knock arguments down one by one i mean um i think uh, um, a misconception that i had of it when evan talked about this like uh, a year ago um uh, but a misconception that i had of it was um the first one i think that you debunk in the in the article that it's like oh well you're just in line in styles and uh, and like immediately like you're you're really not like you this is not happening um like and it's kind of like oh well it doesn't it's not going to fit every situation well of course it's not going to fit every situation um but i think there's a line in your article it's like um it's pres- it's why it's not called um, utility only it's why it's called utility first um, and that was something that really struck me when I read it it was like oh yeah of course like this is just like this is something that can help us like in a project like globally it's going to make things it's going to make things simpler um, but if we need to extend it so that um, so that we add to it rather than like it cause a hindrance I think that's a really that was something that really really struck me and I have to say like that yeah, I did not migrate a, uh, a project that I was working on and worked on for many years. Um, it kind of felt like a monolith, um, and it wasn't something that um, I was really going to going to take on. Um, but I have to say, in future, I think that based on like reading the article and the feedback and the and the groundswell of support for this, I think that it would be foolish not to investigate it at least. Um, so, and I think that like, that's really thanks to to articles like yours. So let, let's what I liked. Uh, about articles and I like success stories of this nature is that it's inspiring to other people. So Scott, to address your point earlier of being, you know, like cautious, right? And you have some, some young buck that's on your team. That's like, Hey, here's the hot new thing. We should adopt this being able to say, well, 
write me up, write the team up something like this, something that addresses all the points. Take it more seriously. Yeah, you want us to invest a whole bunch of hours into this? It sounds exciting, sure. But what about this? What about this? Let's bring it to the rounds. Write down all the questions. And then you, the one that wants this, write that article up for us. I think if more people did that and shared it with the community as well, they would like they would learn a lot in the process too, right? I know that when I've had to do that, whenever I give a talk, I learn so much so quickly when I'm actually having to phrase it so that other people can follow me. Um, trying to draw a diagram, you know, of of the redux flow and why side effects are important and all that, like, yeah, um, it's it's a good opportunity for personal growth in pointing these things out. Yeah, I, I totally subscribe to what you said. And first, like when you definitely when you write about something or you try to come up with like a an actually written or, or presentation version uh, of a thought that you have, you realize that it's not necessarily as clear in your head as you thought. And you're probably going to learn so much through that process. But I really like the, the mindset that you just underlined where if you have like more junior people and more senior people in a team, usually what you will want to watch out for is you want to make sure that your junior people take the time to investigate rather than being overexcited by something and just wanting to apply it. But on the flip side, as a more senior person, you might lean on uh, like erring on the side of caution and being like, no, we're not changing anything if we don't have a super, super good reason uh, to to do it because this is this is a bias as you as you grow older as you grow more senior you want to take less risks because also you might have expectations in your role to mitigate risk to minimize risk but that's actually something you want to be cautious about is not to overlook new things that can be interesting and again you will always find a reason to say that oh, hot new thing is just an uh, old thing with uh, that extra thing, you know? It's easy for when we want to dismiss something right. to say, oh, yeah, Flux is just MVC, but rebranded, you know? Uh, it's super easy to do, but that's because we don't want to bother. We don't want to, we don't want to go there and we, we think that it's not going to bring anything uh, while it may. And so it's, it's really good, I think, as a more seasoned engineer to um, consider like all the energy and all the, you know, the, the fire from more junior people who want to try all those, those things to, to really see it as an asset and as something that you may no longer have, at least not with the same force, like the same strength, but at the same time, use your... Um, use your experience to keep them accountable and allow them to grow. Uh, it's going to be extremely interesting for them if you're able to tell them like, okay, you want to use that thing? Now, if you're ready to commit, then that's what I need you to do. You need to convince me. You need to convince the team. And of course, you want to go at it with uh, a good mindset, not uh, something like, oh, you got to convince me and uh, ultimately you're never going to convince me. But yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd love to be convinced. But uh, your job now is to investigate maybe what are the weaknesses, what are the strengths, and look at it from a more analytical uh, perspective rather than a fanboy aspect. 
And ultimately, everybody grows. And that's what you want. You want people to... Uh, yeah, you want people to be more accountable for the choice that they want to make. Is like, okay, you want to make a change, then let's do the work. Let's do the entire work. But that's your job as well to consider that there might be new things that might be better or maybe just as good as the things that you tried when you were younger or when it was your like your prime, your prime in the business. I think um, that that's all of that is. Uh, it's true but I think I, I, and I think with a senior um, it's important to remember if you're working if you're doing client work if you're doing a project uh, and you're on a project for a long time I think that you have to in you have to embrace the fact that you're going to need to regenerate your code like if you like don't let it sit don't let it sit still like and that's for me one of the great things about getting new people onto the team and like younger people um, fresh into the industry that 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 gives them the, you you get the you get the opportunity to really regenerate the code because that I don't think there can be anything worse if you if the code sits still for so long then you're basically consigning that project to to the bin like you it's it's not going to continue in any good way like you have to always be looking out for new things so um yeah like you totally you need you need the young people coming in um and you also, in my opinion, you also need to accept that they're going to know more than you are on certain things and really, really embrace that and really like take advantage of that. Like, and it just, So the project gets regenerated and you, your knowledge gets regenerated as well. I mean, I think there's, like, there's wins from everybody there. Be, before we move on into the, the closing section, I want to switch topics to what starts as more maybe like a, a trolling uh, kind of <laughs> defense of trolls uh, against trolls. And uh, it's this uh, also on Twitter, um, uh, David K. Piano um, brought up this idea of over-engineering and that over-engineering doesn't actually mean uses tech that I don't like or understand. It's it can be a good thing, right? I think the, the the flux pattern is often considered to be over-engineering, but it can be a really useful thing for making sure that there's built-in almost guidelines. You don't have to be explicit. Everything goes into the service. The effects is the only one that can talk, or the side effects, uh, the saga is the only one that can talk to the service, The and so on and so forth, right? Everything has a place to live. So yes, it is over-engineered, but in this case, it makes the development process go more smoothly. Um, that steals that example, but you know what, what's your take on that, uh, Sarah? And and how do you talk through that with your team as well to get them on the same page? So yeah, I, I really liked that David uh, brought that up, and I actually wrote a thread after that because I definitely agree. There's a tendency. Uh, to call over-engineered something that you just don't like. And it's a quick and easy way of dismissing stuff uh, because over-engineering is not... Like, there's no clear definition of it. And it's by default, like, by definition, it's biased. Oh, what is over-engineered? Like, what is perfectly engineered to the exact extent of what you... What is under-engineered? That depends on so many things. Many, like, it depends on the context. You don't know the context. You don't know what team is going to work on it. You don't know how the project is going to evolve. And that's probably the biggest thing. We are, like, there has been, there have been books, like, 
entire myriads of books and practices written on the topic of helping you scale, especially helping you scale when you don't know what the future holds. And that's probably what we're the most scared about when we tackle a new project is how do we make sure that without knowing where it's going to go, we're going to be able to make that thing scale. And so all the things like clean code and solid principles and domain-driven development, etc. all those books and all those practices, they stem from the same idea, which is how do we make sure that we prepare our code base and that we, we prime it in a way that is not going to blow up in your face later. And so when you take something like React that in the front-end world feels kind of, for many folks, not everybody, but for many folks feels like supernatural now. It's like, yeah, of course you're going to use React. Like why, why use something else or Vue or Angular? But you can consider that over-engineered. Do you need it for a blog? No, you don't need it for a blog. But do you need it uh, for, let, let's take an example. You're building a small marketing site and your entire team knows React and they don't know anything else and they don't know the DOM API because they never learned it because they arrived in the industry where React was already well-established and so they never learned the DOM API. Is React over-engineered for the project? Maybe, but is React over-engineered, like for the project, I mean, for the technical project, maybe, but for the project in general, if you consider the project being uh, several people in a team and their productivity, I don't think so. I think it's perfectly engineered because it, it's, it means that the project is probably going to ship faster and they're going to feel more comfortable and they're going to be keen on maintaining it and not letting it letting it rot. Like we all know those projects where we have to use tech that we hate or we don't know or whatever. And we want to get out of it as quickly as possible. And then it rots and maybe it used the, it uses the perfect, exact perfect tailored tech for it, but that's not the one that fits. So I think this aspect is really important. What, um, what are people comfortable with? And yes, Maybe some of the new front-end engineers don't learn the DOM API and, and some people think that they should. Well, there are things that we never learned as front-end engineers. There are so many things that I don't know about computers and I don't think I need to know them to build applications. So I feel that th this is a very important aspect of things uh, is that it's not just about the tech. It's not just about the, the end result. It's the people who are going to interact with it and, and it matters a lot. And so your question initially was like, how do you, how do you make sure to, to manage this question of over-engineering and under-engineering? That's, that's a difficult one. I, I think it's, a, it's a, a, a lot of things in engineering. I feel like if it goes well or not, depends really on the relationship that are established between people in a team. Like if you have really crappy, really, if you can have the best engineers if they have crappy relationships, if they don't like each other and they don't enjoy working together, it's always going to take forever to ship anything because every, like basically people are not going to be uh, like focused on uh, making sure the project ships or uses the best thing or whatever is going to be like, how can I show this asshole that I'm, uh, I'm better than them, you know? Uh, so it's, it's never going to work. It's, and you can have the best people. If you cultivate 
great relationships if you make sure that you have balance in a team, that everyone feels appreciated for what they do, that everyone feels respected and feel celebrated and their knowledge feels like they feel celebrated for the knowledge they have and they never feel they never feel shamed for the knowledge that they don't have usually that will go much better and and you know like that i know that's uh it it doesn't really answer the question of how do you handle over engineer under engineering to me those questions they're like kind of implementation detail they everything fits once you have that good base of good good relationship between people and then yes those debates happen but they can be solved so much more efficiently because and there's so much literature anyway online to find arguments for that and to and to be able to have a healthy conversation but you have the base for the healthy conversation and to me that was the core of david's tweet is don't let negativity push you to use big words that scare people. Like, oh, you anybody can feel smart when they say, oh, you know what, like uh, Next.js is so over-engineered and you should never use it because it, it makes you feel like you're someone who gets it and who knows that, oh, it's engineered in a way it should have never been engineered. Well, you're not helping anything. You're actually making people feel insecure and you're not giving them any food for thought. You're just giving them empty opinions that will never help them. Yeah. Just think it through and, and make their own, their own informed decisions. So ultimately I would say like maybe a bit less opinions. It, it, it can be nice sometimes to like not have an opinion on everything. It's all right to say, I don't know. It's all right to say, I suspend my judgment and I'll see, I'll try it and I'll see. It's okay not to know and not to pick a side. That's fine. We all want to do great work. We all that I, I guess it's the common goal. We all want to do great, great work. Maybe if we don't try so much to put our image and our self-worth so close to uh, the truthfulness of our opinions and like how how true how much truth can I find? Maybe we're we're all gonna be better off. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that that hits it on the nose. You know, you I uh, I was speaking to Jem uh, uh, Young from from Netflix the other day and on the podcast, and I, he he makes this quote a lot, but but it's you can tell the seniority of an engineer by how often they answer the question with, well, it depends because you have to be flexible. You have to, you know, roll with it because it is, it's a constantly shifting and changing uh, landscape that we work within. And I mean, the only thing I, I do is I make sure not to have my rules too hard and fixed because they, they need to be flexible. I do have some, right. And I've learned that the hard way over time, uh, this is about, approaching an over-engineering kind of thing. Um, when you see things being built on top of pre-existing solutions, right? When you have a lot of like, um, uh, in the view world, there was a lot of the, the, the loaders, the, the create new view apps, like that kind of thing. Uh, back when view two was first there, there were a bunch of those. There was one in particular that I was like, I like the look of this guy's GitHub. I'm going to try that one out. So I built my website based on that. 
and then view 2.5 or whatever, or one of them released some sort of like, this is the way that we're going to do new build projects from now on. And suddenly my website was like unmaintainable because I built it off of a very small one person project and I didn't understand the concepts behind it. So it was putting the magic in the wrong place and not, you know, I think that's the perpetual evolution we're facing anyway is yes, you're seeing the same trends again and again, but that magic is being, you know, um, moved to a different place. Exactly. But you, 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 I was going to, I was just going to say that like, um, it is the shift in sand of the, of the industry that makes it like, it wasn't the wrong decision when you did it. It wasn't the wrong decision. It became mm. the wrong decision. Like, and I think the most important thing that um, I try to remember is I will be wrong. Like, it doesn't matter whether I'm wrong right now or I'm wrong, yeah. like, in the future, but I will be wrong. Like, so, like, just try and be a bit humble with that because it is, like, like I'm just, I, I know that I'm going to make a wrong decision. Like, or maybe I make the right decision now, but in the, but like six months down the line, it turns out to be the wrong decision. But because for, for a number of reasons, it could just be that the technology shifts. It could just be like, um, so never really, I, I never really try and, um, I would never really try and like force somebody's opinion down like on the team because like eventually like that kind of thing is going to bite you. I mean, like super bad practice anyway, like you would never do that. Um, to somebody who's on your team but um it, for sure it's going to catch up with you like that's just the nature of the industry so like, yeah and always accept you're wrong yes definitely and like like looking for the truth or the absolute ultimate truth is such an empty pursuit that's not really what we're doing we're here to in this industry we're here to solve problems with technology uh, and we build applications and we build websites and ultimately that's what that's what counts. I, I feel like if you're using WordPress, allegedly you're using outdated technology uh, for like, yeah, you might be using something uh, more robust or more XYZ, but it works, you know? It, ultimately, mm -hmm. if you don't see the difference or you can hardly see the difference, it works and that's what counts. So I would say it's not even a matter of right or wrong. It's more like, yeah, if, if a technology does the job that you're supposed to, that it's supposed to do, then that's fine. And, and I feel like, yeah, in some, in some industry, like in some, um, niche, like if you're working in a startup and you're making like very high tech stuff, you're probably not going to use WordPress, but yeah, that's not the tool for you. It's not necessarily that a specific tech is good or bad. It's just that it's not for you. I would argue that WordPress does many things that like, I've, I haven't seen any other tech do it as well. If you have a customer who wants to manage their own site and they already know WordPress and they want to be able to input text and just see it right away yeah you can re you can reproduce that and you can do a fancy next.js type script sanity io whatever integration of things but it's gonna mm -hmm. it it may take more time so it might be better on some aspects but you still have to teach people how to use that you still have to uh, wire things together and so both approaches are valid 
maybe some are less groundbreaking in terms or less safe or less DX or less fancy or less whatever. But ultimately it works. And that's probably why a, a significant percentage of the web is still running on WordPress is that it does the job. So yeah, I guess ultimately it's, it's also a matter of uh, like, the, I, I really uh, subscribe to what you said when, yeah, you will be wrong definitely, but not because you're right for at a given moment for a given project means that other people at the same moment are wrong because they make another choice. It's if someone is using jQuery in a project or dummy or whatever, and even then, like we consider at some point that jQuery was an evolution on the DOM API, and now we kind of went backwards. It's like, oh yeah, if you want to use, uh, if, if you want to go without React or Vue or Angular or whatever, uh, at least do DOM API because jQuery is uh, this and this and that. Well, you know, it works and people are productive with that. And yes, it works. And at some point we, we, we thought of it as something really cool. And so why... I, yeah, why why will why do we want to shame people who do things differently? That's kind of a, the bigger question. But yeah, let maybe that's the next step. Instead of just thinking about the tech and always being like, what's the next big hot new tech? What's the next good thing that we can do to be better people towards other engineers? Is maybe the next question that we want to ask ourselves. Um, how can we be better with other people rather than how can we be better just engineers? Yeah, I love that. And and I, I think that that ties back into what we talked about in the first part of the show, which is in answering those questions about your hot new approach, whatever it might be, you have to put on the other person's shoes. You have to have some empathy for whatever the situation is. And it's not just going to be your team and is it React versus Vue. It can also be what is the right thing to be using to solve the client's problem? Like if they are, you know, someone in their 70s and they they know WordPress because they've used it for a while, don't make them learn a new input system. Like have some empathy. Yeah, I, I think it comes right back to that. So good, good, good for us, full circle. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's time for us to move into the sort of... Um, closing segments and a first one of those is true hero so what we do in this segment is highlight a few true front heroes uh, that are working across the planet and to thank them for all that they do um sarah you had a colleague of yours you'd like to men recommend francois can you tell us a bit about him and why you're recommending him for true hero yeah definitely so francois chalifaut i i've been working with him at algolia since i arrived and uh the reason why I wanted to to mention him is that so he works uh, on front end. He work he's part of the instant search team at Algolia, working on on UI libraries for search, and he recently uh, refactored. So not single handedly, but a huge part of the of the code base is is his uh, refactored our autocomplete library. So we have an autocomplete library uh, that has been in V zero for forever. And so he worked on it and he really transformed it into something that I've been able to not only use, I've used it to refactor the search on the Algolia documentation. And we've, we've been able to come up with a whole new experience, so much better. And, and so, yeah, I, I think he's a, 
uh, a really excellent engineer who actually came out of school not that long ago. So that's even more impressive. So I would definitely recommend him, uh, recommend like checking what he does, uh, his GitHub, his GitHub page. He has ton of interesting open source projects, but mostly for autocomplete, definitely. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, we'll um, recommend uh, some of those links in the show notes. And uh, Francois, thank you again for all the work that you do. Keep up the good work. Uh, next, uh, any proper hero is a well-rounded one. And so we want to share some simple musical picks. So Scott, what is the favorite thing you've been listening to lately? Uh, yeah, so um, it's not an album yet, but um, one of my favorite artists is um, St. Vincent. Um, and she's released uh, a new single called Pay Your Way in Pain. Um, which I'm really loving, and she's got a new album coming out um, very soon. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, very excited for that as well. Uh, Sarah, how about you? So I, I'm one of those people who always listens to old stuff, and I, uh, and I kind of stop uh, listening to new things, which is a, a problem, but still I, I'm happy with my old stuff. Uh, I love female uh, rock artists, and so I've been re-listening the the music of whole uh, courtney love band and so nice. this is just this is just so good if you've never listened to courtney love if you've never listened to whole uh go with it like celebrity skin is probably the the, the right album to start with uh it is just so good if you're a big like rock grunge fan uh you're never gonna be disappointed by courtney love so yeah that will be my pick awesome yeah, I'll need to go back to that. Well done. Um, and then from my side, there's this guy originally from Chicago, though I guess he works as a product manager, I found out today in, in Oregon now. Um, his stage name is Professor Click, K-L-I-Q. Um, his latest album from uh, 2019, it's good. It's like electronic. I don't know. I never know how to describe this stuff, but maybe this one, it's more like electronic funk. Um it's awesome. It's it really is like you're kind of doing the head bobbing while you're programming kind of music. Um, it's good. I don't know. Uh, the combination of throwing some funk and some bass lines in there really makes the difference between that and maybe normal coding music. So, yeah, that album is called Entertainment System. So great. Um, with that out of the way, it looks like that's all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, you should like, heart, or star us in your podcatcher of choice. Reviews and ratings are how the fancy algorithms help people find our content, and the power to help is within you. If you have any questions or topics you want covered in our next episode, please do send us a tweet at Heroes Frontend on Twitter, and we'll add it to our list. We're also up on YouTube, um, so check, it out, check us out and find us there. Uh, until next time, though, Heroes, remember, with great front-end power comes great responsibility. See you next time.